Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to the Train Happy Podcast. My name is Tally Rye and this week I am joined by psychotherapist Tasha Bailey to guess what we're going to discuss therapy. Now I wanted to create this episode because this is a very common question I get. You know I'm really big on therapy and mental health and talking about our feelings and I really believe that that's an important part of your healing not you know for when we're working on the stuff that goes deeper than than just the food and just your body and just exercise that I believe that there's so much of what's under the surface is what needs healing and I think therapy can be such a wonderful space to do that work and so I'm really appreciative to Tasha for just giving us some really useful tips and insights on you know what different therapies there are I learned about new therapies that I hadn't heard of before and we also learned um you know how to get started and how to you know practice uh self-care outside of therapy as well so I really hope you enjoy this episode before we get into it I want to remind you that we do still have some spots left for the UK train happy retreat in August it's running from the 20th to the 22nd of August in the Peak District and if you want to find out more about how to book and more information you can email retreats at tallyrye.co.uk that's retreats at tallyrye.co.uk. And of course, what's a train happy podcast episode without train happy trooper of the week? This week's train happy trooper is listener Freya. Freya emailed in to tell us this. I want to share my train happy moment. It's actually been more like a train happy year. I keep telling people that I never experienced the endorphin effect after exercise until last year. I actually always thought it was more of a metaphor. Now I experience a flood of elation after exercise, hiking, yoga, even a medium paced walk. It's been incredible, but also so bewildering. What suddenly changed? Was it age, lockdown, finding yoga? I probably have PCOS. I had a half-hearted diagnosis with that theme of let's revisit when trying to conceive. And today I was listening to your episode with Julie Duffy Dillon. And the thing she said about the importance of intuitive eating and eating enough for people with PCOS and the bit about some people with a condition struggling to want to exercise. Suddenly everything clicked into place. I officially committed to practice intuitive eating at the beginning of 2020. And I think the unconditional permission to eat has given my body enough energy to be able to move and feel happy because of movement. I feel very sorry that I pushed my body to exercise before when it was too damn hungry to be able to enjoy it. And I'm also so grateful at yet another unexpected benefit of intuitive eating. Freya, I so appreciate you sending that in. I think that's such a helpful 
helpful uh, train happy moment to share and just goes to show how wonderful it is when our bodies are well nourished and just have enough food. If you would like to have your train happy moment shared with the train happy listeners and become train happy trooper of the week, you can send in your train happy moment via email to trainhappypodcast at gmail.com or you can direct message us on Instagram and make sure you're going and following us on there too. We are at train happy podcast. Okay, enough from me. It is time to hear from this week's guest, Tasha Bailey. Tasha, welcome to the Train Happy Podcast. How are you? I know you we kind of had a chat before, you've just moved house. How how are you settling in? Yeah, good. Firstly, like I'm so happy to be here. So thank you for inviting me uh, to speak with you. Um yeah, like I've gone through a period of lots of transition. So change of where I was living, uh, change of my work a little bit as well. Um and actually, when there's lots of trains, just like everything happens at one time. So my time has been really packed in. Um, but this week and last week, everything is now in place and uh, feel a lot more peaceful and calm. So I'm in a real place of peace right now. I love that. You can tell you're a therapist because you're really good at being specific about how you're feeling and like what you're, how you describe things, which I think is something that I just said that never grew up being able to do or you know never quite knew how to vocalize that aspect and it is really interesting that it's important to be specific about things you know Mm, I totally agree and I and I similarly grew up not knowing how to express myself when someone says how are you it's often like I'm fine Mm -hmm. which is often kind of a bit of a lie or plaster of what's actually happening it's a kind of politeness isn't it um but yeah when you're trained to be a therapist you're kind of forced into constantly checking in with yourself uh and in quite vulnerable spaces um and so you kind of get used to being a bit more explorative or explain a bit more of where you are I definitely think when people say they're fine because I know even now I say I'm fine and it's it's not even a case of not maybe wanting to say how I feel it's a case of thinking I don't know quite how to name mm. what I'm feeling um and that's definitely something I try to work on and really try to ex- you know try to get to the bottom of like what what is this is it frustration or, you know whatever um and really try to pinpoint that I was just looking at um you you're probably really aware of it there's the diagram like the wheel of emotions mm, I was literally amazing. just looking at it in a previous meeting I was in um and it's so helpful to get specific and to like increase your vocabulary you know just increase your emotional vocabulary I think that's something that I wish people did from a young age um and I know Mm. this is something you're interested in because I was doing my research about you but I would love to hear it from the horse's mouth okay Um, (laughs) so how did you become a therapist how did you get into this and what was your your path to to working in this field so it's so weird because most people, when they become therapists, they have a a, prime, a first career and then they're like, oh, actually, it's not the career that I want. Actually, I'm going to become a therapist. That's that's most people's um, experience of becoming a therapist. For me, I knew when I was age of 15 that I wanted to be a therapist, wow. which is really weird because I had no understanding of what a therapist was. 
Um, I never had therapy before. Um, I think it literally, I saw a child, <laughs> a child therapist on a film that I used to love. I think it's called, um, what was the film called? It's a Nickelodeon film, Harriet the Spy. Oh, um, there's one point where, where Harriet Spy, her parents sent her to a child psychotherapist. And I thought, well, that like, looks like a really cool job. Um, I just help kids and teenagers like talk about stuff and maybe we play and do stuff. So I thought like, that's a really cool job. The other thing is that in my family, um, I've witnessed and seen, you know, what mental health looks like mm. from the on the other the kind of extreme scale. So I was always quite exposed to, you know, what is going on, what is mental health, how do we prevent things? Um, that's kind of very much part of my 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 early narrative. So yeah, I decided that I wanted to definitely become a child and adolescent psychotherapist. I never wanted to work with adults. I was, I didn't even want to work with teenagers. Um, I was like, no, I just want to work with kids. And actually that's changed a lot. Um, I work mostly with adults right now. And I think it's something about no matter how old you are, you always have an inner child that perhaps had a story that hasn't been told or a painful experience that needs to be looked after. Um, so I, I still work with children. It's just that it's the inside of the, of the, the adult that I'm working with. Um, yeah. And, and a lot, um, in terms of like being a child trained therapist, it means I work quite creatively. So we might use art or imagery or metaphor or song lyrics. Um, so for example, if someone finds it hard to say how they really are feeling, then we might use pictures or a metaphor or a song lyric to describe where they are. I love that. I really love that. Okay, there's so many things I want to talk to you about. <laughs> Firstly, I, and I, we haven't spoken about this enough on this podcast, but this is a topic I'm personally interested in. And I do, as you've said, I think people can really benefit from, and that is exploring inner child work. Um, mm. And so I would, yeah, really love to hear more about that from your perspective. And I love how you say, well, it's kind of like, we're, we're all living in these adult bodies and you know even my mom and my grandma like I can see it in them sometimes it is just you're still that little girl inside and you're still that that um, mm -hmm. child inside and there's still so much of that child that needs nurturing and caring for and, mm -hmm. and needs compassion and yeah I'd love to hear from from your perspective um what your inner child is mm -hmm. and and yeah how how by connecting with that, it can be really part of people's healing. Mm. So I think, so we all have an inner child. Um, they are the part of us that maybe is playful and creative and loves to laugh and loves to have fun. Um, the part of us that's maybe experimental at times or might be kind of a risk taker. Um but at the same time, it's also the part of us that maybe we might have a lot of pain that hasn't been processed. Um, maybe our needs weren't met when we were children. Um, maybe we were bullied as children, you know. So it's kind of these these this child of ours has like the wounds um, that haven't been taken care of. So when we're doing inner child work, we're kind of regressing a little bit back to that age. Um, <laughs> Some people love that and some people really hate it and find it a bit icky to go back to those years, which are really difficult. 
Um, but I, I think. Ask, sorry, yeah. can I ask what specific ages those are? Is that like age yeah. eleven and below? Is that your teenage years? Is it a mix? I would say it's a mixture. It could yeah. be. So, for example, when I have a client and we're talking about boundaries, we often think about what was happening for them when they were two or three years old, because that's the first time you learn how to say no. And for a lot of children at that age, they say no constantly. But maybe if there was an environment where you weren't allowed to say no or your nose was met with another, like, you know, Mm -hmm. if your if your needs were never met, then you wouldn't learn how to set boundaries as an adult. So it can go as, as kind of far back. To that or even to your adolescence um you know rebellious behavior risk-taking behavior if you're really fearful of taking risks then I wonder like what's happening in adolescence have you taken new risks or were you quite scared so yeah any of those ages any of our younger selves I think um can represent our youngest our inner child oh so interesting so interesting yeah I think if I'm thinking of my own inner child, what is she like? I don't know. I think there's a lot of my inner child that always wanted to fit in. Mm. And I've really, and that's something I'm kind of conscious of as an adult sometimes that, you know, maybe part of my, it's something I've actually worked a lot on, but I, I do think there's a lot of me um, from, especially when I started like secondary school of thinking, oh, I really want to just be liked and popular and cool and, and mm. would always try and, and I sacrifice a lot of myself to do that. And it's really interesting how I found like my twenties has really been about kind of coming back to myself and, you mm. know, like really finding out like who I am in that sense of, you know, who, what do I like? What, what makes me, mm. you know, what do I like doing? What do I like wearing? What do I like listening to rather than what's cool? Mm-hmm. And it is interesting how there is that side of me that, yeah, will always be like, oh, what's kind of cool at the moment rather than going, hang on a second, do I even like this? Mm-hmm. And I think that's been really interesting. Mm-hmm. And that is a lot about the adolescent, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. when we're like a teenager, we, a part of us, we want to be part of the group and to belong and to find our own, like, We've got our family, but we want a family outside our family. But at the same time, we're also learning what music do I like and what clothes do I like to wear and, and who am I as a person? And it's, a, it's a real conflict because sometimes who you are as a person might not fit with who you are connected to in a group. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's quite interesting, like noticing that actually that's kind of part of my adult life as well. Yeah. And one thing I just thought of when you said that was, I noticed this past year, obviously it's, I feel like it's, it has been traumatic for people on so many different levels, clearly some more than others. But Mm. one thing I've noticed is that, and I wonder if this is partly my comfort trying to find that in a child who doesn't have to deal with all this responsibility and uncertainty is like, I've been really, I went through like a massive obsession where I only wanted to listen to music from when I was about 14 years old, 14, 15. Mm. Like I had this particular playlist I called it like my year nine school trip playlist. I was obsessed (laughs) with listening to it. Um, And I wonder if part of that was me just trying to like, these just remind me of carefree days where I had minimal responsibilities, happier times when, you know, I I could just be a young free teenager rather than someone with responsibility who, Mm. who had to navigate a pandemic. And I wonder if that was part of me trying to soothe myself in some way. Mm. it sounds like it It sounds like it took you to a really safe place 
um, music is amazing. It's kind of like this transformational thing that takes us to like memories that we've had or a time in our life that we've had. So yeah, creating this playlist sounds like it took you to a place of safety, maybe a place of freedom, mm. um, no responsibilities. Um, yeah, and and to a to a time where there, where there wasn't a pandemic, which is stressful and at the time really scary. Um, so yeah, it sounds like you were kind of unconsciously comforting yourself. I, I do something similar. I um, over lockdown, I was watching a lot of shows that I've watched a million times before. Mm. Um, but there was something really nice about knowing, like, okay, I know what happens in this episode. I know what happens in the next episode. Oh, look, this this joke. I remember this joke. I can literally name the name the joke. There's something kind of predictable and safe. And we were in a period where it was really kind of unpredictable and not knowing when we'd be out of it and all that stuff so we kind of latch on to anything that makes us feel a bit safer I was literally thinking as you said that do you know what I imagine so many people have done that with tv shows my sister does my sister's obsessed with like comfort tv shows you know what I mean like she has mm-hmm. real comfort shows I'm mm-hmm. not as in I don't do that as much as she does but I noticed that she really does that and it is really interesting that yeah when things feel really unpredictable knowing exactly how the story's gonna end mm. <laughs> is very reassuring yeah. um ironically at the beginning of the pandemic like this time last year I was obsessed with The Handmaid's Tale which I think is so oh, yeah. weird everyone was saying like how can you watch this it's like how on earth can you watch that? And I don't know. I, I loved it. I thought it was amazing. Um, I don't know what that means. It's an amazing <laughs> show though, isn't it? Oh, it's it so is good. amazing. But I wonder, it's very dystopian and alternative. And I guess maybe it's something of like, okay, it can't be as bad as that. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that was it. Mm. I wanted to ask how, you know, as a therapist, I'm sure so many people have been offloading to you this year and it must have, I just, you know, are you okay? Like, have how do you make time for yourself, and how do you care for and protect your mm-hmm. and protect your energy? You know, um, because I imagine, like, you know, I stopped therapy like in like the autumn time last year, but you know, there was a lot of times I was like leaning heavily on my therapist and just offloading, and that must be a lot to cope with. Mm. Yeah, I guess in terms of. Uh, Part of my role as a therapist is I'm, I'm holding the stories of other people. So particularly where last year, obviously everybody's story is individual, but we were all going through this one story or this mm. one chapter. And I'm also going through that chapter as well. So in terms of how I look after myself and how I continue to look after myself, it's that constant like checking in on myself. Like, okay, if I say I'm fine, and that's probably a warning that I'm actually not okay. Um, so checking in on myself, I have a great, like, community of people around me. Um, some are therapists, some are not therapists. Um, but with my friends that are therapists, I I feel like we kind of hold each other accountable. Mm. Like, how are you really doing though? Um, there's a lot of those kind of conversations. Um, nature's a huge thing for me. Um, I just think nature is so powerful and important for mental health. So, Usually if I am feeling a bit overwhelmed or stressed, I, I see it as a sign that I need to get out and I need to go on a walk and, and be with some trees somewhere <laughs> um, or else. Music is another huge thing for me. Um, and yeah, just there's, there's, a, there's, a very, there's lots of amazing people around me that 
are kind of there for me to kind of lean on when I need to. It's really interesting hearing that and like those kind of like basic kind of like self-care practices that you have because I think that's something that we can all do you know it's important that we all have a support network of some kind um Mm -hmm. whether that includes a therapist or not but even if it's like friends or family to be able to confide in and and I don't know I mean as as a therapist like when when we're talking about these kind of other options outside of therapy because we know that it's sadly largely inaccessible Mm -hmm. um for people um that you know is it about trying to find someone you can be vulnerable with and even just being vulnerable in the first place um and really finding finding those ways and whether it's not even someone whether it's a notebook that you are vulnerable with when you write down how you're feeling like is that is that kind of really important yeah I think it's important to find someone that you feel an initial sense of safety with you're not gonna well you might feel but don't expect to feel okay I can tell this person everything in session one yeah um that's not what what I mean it's more like okay this person feels like I could eventually open up with or I feel safe I feel like they're not going to judge me Mm. I I don't have any projections on them or any negative projections on them I remember my first therapist, I picked her because she had really kind eyes and that mm. felt made me feel really safe. Um, so, you know, some people go for therapists that maybe have a similar racial background or cultural background, or maybe they want someone that's got a similar gender or yeah, it's, it's and some people don't. Um, so it's kind of thinking about what would make me feel comfortable. What do I need right now? Um yeah, what do I need right now? Do I do I kind of need someone that's going to challenge me or do I need someone that's going to be a bit more soft and gentle and or do I need someone that's a bit of both? So I think it's something about listing what do you need, um, dating around, you know, try not to, to go for the, the first therapist that you meet, maybe meet a few others and then decide, okay, who did I feel most comfortable with? Um, and then you can start doing the work. Yeah, I think um, I... I get asked all the time, how do you find a therapist? Where where did you go to? And to be honest, it was through a recommendation from a friend who's a psychologist and I massively trust their judgment on things. So I was like, you know what, Mm. this is probably going to be good. But um, it is important, I think, to know that you can like connect with that person. And you know, I've ended up stopping working with them. And to be honest, I feel like there could be, I think they were a great fit initially, but I feel like there could be a better fit for Mm the next kind of phase of therapy I want to do you know that that Mm. digs that little bit deeper Mm. um and I think knowing that you can yeah find different people at different times in your life as well who kind of match your energy or or really will challenge you in the right way Mm. when you're ready as well absolutely I I like that about kind of how different people at different times like we go, we all go through different seasons and as we grow we need different things mm-hmm. and that might include your therapy as well um so I, I think it's also important that if you're with a therapist and you're starting to feel like mm, I kind of want to break up with them or kind of feel like I should stop coming to the sessions to actually tell the therapist and to speak about it and you know, that will sound like a really scary thing, but the therapists, your therapist probably might be feeling it too and is waiting for you to bring it up and you can talk about it and see if there's anything that they can change. Or if not, maybe that it's time for someone new or time for a break. 
um, and that's okay too. So, yeah, I think we definitely, our needs grow and change as we do. So, yeah, I think that's important to name. Speaking from experience, I skirted around the edges for a long time before I was able to tell my therapist that I was interested in stopping and that was really scary for me Mm -hmm. really scary and you know then I had to explore why was that scary and why could I and you know that's something that's very individual but maybe also other people can relate Mm -hmm. um and it is it is really really interesting and it can be it can feel awkward it felt awkward for me at times um And you mentioned before that you do these like different forms of therapy. And I would love to just kind of talk about that because uh, recently I started a conversation online and I, I put a post out on Instagram really kind of just saying that there's a lot of people in fitness who say the blanket statement of like exercise is therapy. Mm. And I really wanted to clarify that whilst I think it's therapeutic and can be hugely beneficial to our mental health and well-being and can really help us um, increase our resilience and and like physically process emotions, sometimes Mm. it's going to help manage the symptoms rather than getting to the cause in a way that other therapies can really help us do that. And generally, a lot of people agreed with me <laughs> but mm-hmm. I had one or two people were saying like you're being really snobby about therapy talk therapy is not the only way to do things because I kind of had mentioned mm-hmm. like psychotherapy and talk therapy is not the only way to do things and there's other ways and I I 100% believe that's true I know of like mm-hmm. people who do dance therapy and art therapy and so I'd really love to hear your take on you know on what talk therapy is and how other kind of therapies can you know um be better suited to some people and and yeah where the kind of boundaries are with that Mm -hmm. um so yeah so talk therapy is kind of I guess the traditional uh psychotherapy um there's so many even in talk therapy there's so many different modalities there's a million (laughs) um so I'm not even going to go into all of them because we'd be here all day. But I guess essentially, you know, the the time is spent talking through stuff. Um, The therapist might have an indirect approach or they might have a direct approach. Um, You you probably will be talking about like stuff in the past, stuff in the present and connecting together and also thinking a bit about maybe your hopes and, and kind of, I guess, processing the changes that happen while you're in therapy. Now, with the other types of therapy, you will also be doing talk therapy at the same time. But um, the therapist, so if it's, for example, dance therapy, you might be using a bit more movement and thinking about how, um, I guess, like how you can use movement and dance or posture and things like that to kind of think about your story. So if I give an example I've had a client I had clients before where maybe they sit in a certain way and actually when we've looked at how they how they're sitting it relates back to some of the experience back in the past and they're kind of almost demonstrating it unconsciously in the session um now then you've got like the creative therapy so you have like art therapy and what else you have art therapy narrative therapy um so this is where you're using images or stories to think about who you are your identity your experiences I think for some people like the creative therapies are really helpful because 
I think you said before, like say working out how to how to say how you're feeling is really difficult. Mm. So maybe if there's like a picture or an image that you could draw of what you're feeling, maybe it's just shapes and colours, or maybe it's a specific metaphor, but maybe that's a way to express a bit more of how you're feeling, then we can kind of look at that and flesh it out a bit more. Um, what other forms are there? Well, yeah. I'm interested in um in the idea I like I've heard of things where some people will do their therapies like people think of therapy as like you sit in a room yeah on a couch with a box of tissues and you just cry for an hour whatever it is but I know that there's kind of therapy where you can like walk and talk Mm. and that can often be really helpful because being stuck in a room can be really hard and I don't know about you but just in general I've had some of my deepest conversations with friends when we've been like on a walk somewhere especially mm. this past year I've been going you know trying to get out of London and and find some countryside and go on a long walk and you can really get into some deep stuff mm-hmm. and you don't have to quite look someone in the eye mm-hmm. yeah. and I think that can be really freeing sometimes yeah I recently did a like three-day workshop of uh learning how to do therapy out in nature and it was just so incredible. Um, it's like what you said, you go deeper quicker. Yeah. Because you're, firstly, you're in an environment which is, like, well, I guess it depends on your relationship with nature, but first you're in an environment where you're surrounded by nature. Trees are incredible for our um, regulating system. Like, so naturally we tend to feel a lot safer in our bodies when we're surrounded by trees because of the, the chemicals or something that they put out in the air. Um, so that's already kind of making this, this space quite safe. And then you're able to walk or to sit. You're not enclosed in the space. Um, I think I remember reading somewhere that the colour green, for example, is really great for us kind of spiritually. Um, so you're surrounded by this kind of real kind of world of safety. You can walk around. Um your senses are heightened, you know, you can feel the air on your skin, you can feel the sun. Um, and there's a real kind of autonomy in being able to lead your therapist to wherever you want to go. You might want to walk the whole session or you might want to sit down on the grass. But there's something about giving the client a bit more control. Um, and I think in therapy, the, the idea of sitting in a room with someone can be really scary, um, especially when that person is the therapist but maybe you might feel that they're the, the expert but actually they're not they're there to help you but there's something about okay I, I don't feel trapped in a room which is yeah powerful. definitely I think sometimes thinking like oh this person's just looking at me and only me and there's nowhere mm. to hide <laughs> yeah um, and that that could be scary if you yeah if you if you're maybe yeah worried about opening up or, or, or that's been like harder in the past um I, I was gonna say as well the other thing that's really amazing about about uh being in nature and I, I realized this as well when I was doing that workshop mm-hmm. is that there's this weird thing that happens so now I spoke about creative therapy you use metaphors yes. in nature you're surrounded by metaphor everywhere yeah so I remember speaking about something. I, I was I was with another therapist and we was going on a walk. And I remember speaking about something. And I in front of me there was this perfect metaphor of a tree 
wrapped around another tree. And I was like, that's literally what I feel. That's what I'm thinking. That's literally what I was just explaining. So something about it gives you a lot of tools for language, expressing yourself. Um, so yeah, I just thought that's amazing. It's a really organic uh, creativity that happens. I think it's really good to know that there are like these different ways of communicating or these different avenues to go down if you're trying to connect to emotions or understand yourself and you can use literally what's around you like I think Mm -hmm. that's so so helpful Mm -hmm. um yeah I would so when you're working with clients like I suppose like maybe you are going outdoors but what are kind of the key methods that you you're using a lot and you know how do they help in certain scenarios you know how do you know when is it right to to start like using imagery um and or music or you know how do how do you judge that um so I work quite organically I try not to direct my client too much I think if it feels really important to me that my client is feeling that they're the driver in the car and I'm in the passenger seat and maybe I can guide them a little bit. Mm. Um, but essentially they're telling us where they're ready to go. So my initial kind of way of working is like helping my client to feel safe um, with our relationship. And that's kind of building our relationship, uh, exploring maybe their fears, exploring the relationships that they've had before, which might impact ours um kind of going back a bit to the inner child stuff a lot of the traditional therapists um even though they don't speak about inner child they they do hint a lot about it so you know that the therapist is for many clients the therapist is the good enough parent that the client maybe never got to have in their own childhood um the therapist is a, is the is a good enough parent that will listen and hear and will nurture and will feedback and will affirm that that kind of client in a way that they might not have ever received before. So even though it's not the see inner child work, you know that is the makings. That is the kind of main ingredient of a therapist is kind of providing those things. So that's what I'm doing in the kind of first instance, um, and then we kind of just work organically. We see uh, what comes up. We see. Um, I guess I have a lot of banter with my clients. So <laughs> we see like our banter, we see kind of how that could, that's another form of creativity, right? Laughter mm. and, and joking around. Um, but yeah, we might kind of, I might introduce things like if I know that they've got a favorite film, um, then it might be, okay, so in this, so Harry Potter, you know, who, which character best describes who you are? and 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 kind of that that kind of thing and and how that can like bring up a lot of I guess revelations and thoughts about who we are and how we present ourselves um so yeah it's kind of I don't have a kind of framework not I do have a framework but I don't have like a specific list of how I work yeah yeah. Yeah, it's very much following the client's lead and I love that I imagine there's been like a fair amount of times now (laughs) this past year um I had see well I'm thinking of like I definitely had an older therapist who sometimes I'm like I want to talk about something like who's that what's mm. that um like not heard of Brené Brown which really mm. frustrated me oh, like, a, oh therapist a therapist I hasn't heard <laughs> I know a bit old school right okay yeah but um 
yeah but I imagine you've now got do you get a lot of people who've been on TikTok who are like I need to send you this video because mm-hmm. I need to send this to my therapist or this describes me this is what I'm going through someone's made something relatable like is that where this generation's going <laughs> Yeah, I think TikTok and Instagram are such great resources if you use them in the right way. And I think particularly because a lot of my clients find me on Instagram, they know that I am so going to be up for reading that, seeing that material. Mm. So it's also great because if my client is seeing stuff on TikTok or on Instagram, that means that they're also doing the work outside the session. They're looking for stuff or they're following material that they know is going to be really helpful for them. And the fact that they're bringing it in or maybe journaling after, after seeing that material mm. is their way of kind of being like, oh, look, let's, let's work on this. Let's think about this. Um, so, yeah, I think it's an amazing tool to use. And do you, and do you kind of recommend that people don't just you know commit to their you know hour session a week or you know um and that they do do things outside of it in you know to accompany therapy that seeing you alone like I found this as a personal trainer sometimes I think people thought that like just literally turning up Mm -hmm. was doing doing the exercise and if they just paid me then they would get fit Mm -hmm. And, and unfortunately I can't you know I can't do the exercises for you you have mm-hmm. to do them to, to increase your fitness and I suppose it's, it's probably sometimes can be a bit frustrating and the same with therapy like that you can pay me and turn up every week but I can only help you as much as you're willing to help yourself yeah 100% it's, it's exactly the same it's uh yes we have we have this one hour where we're going to talk about a lot of things um also a therapist's job is not to get well some people do give advice and I do sometimes but essentially we're not necessarily giving you step-by-step advice of how to fix something and so what we're doing is creating a reflective space for you to think about things so that when you go back into the normal world you're making some shifts and changes or 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 feeling or seeing things in a different perspective so it's really important to do um, the work outside of a therapy session and that might be listening to podcasts or being a specific book or journaling or doing something creative or even just scheduling more me time mm. uh, I've had clients before where the only me time that they had in the week was our therapy session I was like no that's that's not that's not going to help that this therapy is not going to help if you're not going to have another space for yourself to look after yourself um so I think it's really important to kind of be trying to and some of the some of the things to change are really hard to change I'm not doubting that but at least you know trying to have some more reflection space um yeah well I hope people are listening to this podcast thinking I'm doing my homework and I'm going to chat about this in my next session with my therapist. (laughs) Um, I've got something, oh, this has made me think of something I want to talk about. Um, Because I know that that's something that definitely I do. I love listening to podcasts. Um, Mm. I mentioned Brené Brown before, but her podcast, the Unlocking Us podcast, I think Mm. is awesome. Mm. Always touching on really interesting topics with amazing people. Um, Mm. And recently we were just discussing prior to pressing the record button about um, obviously the Prince Harry and Oprah show that's come out. I believe you've seen it. I've listened to a podcast with Prince Harry about his own kind of therapy experiences. And I don't know, I'm just, I think it's so refreshing and so important that someone's being 
mm-hmm. you know, someone so well known mm-hmm. is really opening up about their experiences and clearly understands, really understands his own um, his own experiences and, and how they've re- impacted his life. You know, mm-hmm. I just think it's been so amazing to hear what what are your thoughts you know working in the mental health space is it just really exciting to see these kind of conversations come to the mainstream yeah it's it's so exciting especially because you know prince harry and his story is there has there's there historically there's been so much um i guess protection or covering of mental health it's not spoken about at all in terms of the royal family and so he's given himself permission to be really open and public and candid and it's really really beautiful I think um and to do that to do that with Oprah as well who is the, one of the most open people mm. in this world and and has facilitated, facilitated so many amazing conversations about mental health and, and trauma and healing so I'm loving it. I'm I'm watching the TV show. I'm trying to watch it really slowly. <laughs> um, it's like, yeah, it gives me so much life. Um, Is it intense? Because I really, I, it's it's literally on my to do list to watch. Like I'm, I've just been watching loads of Real Housewives, but I need to actually watch it. Um, I want to, but is it like emotionally a lot to take on, or <sighs> it's not a binge show? You you could be. You I mean, if you were. If you're a psychology nerd like me, you'd probably binge it. Um, it there are some difficult conversations. Mm. Um, there are um, celebrities being very, very open about very difficult things, and also normal people being being mm. open about difficult things. So it can be it can bring up a lot. I think you know. I, I watched yeah. a stay episode on grief. Mm. So if you're someone that's experiencing a grief in the moment. That I think it could be quite healing to watch it, but it would also be quite, it would bring up, bring stuff up as well. Mm. So I think there's something about, yeah, take your time with it. It's a very compassionate uh, TV series. It's, it's very compassionate and gentle and informative. Um, I was saying earlier that Prince Harry was quite open in it and he, um, there was a moment where he, he had a session with an EMDR therapist um EMDR stands for I something something I can't remember what it stands for but it's a type of trauma therapy where um it's connecting difficult experiences and also safe experiences with kind of tapping of the body um or also kind of eye movement and what that does is it helps to process trauma memories so there was a moment in the in the show where he actually was doing it and was on camera and and they were showing that whole process so I think it's really informative in thinking about therapy and healing not even just therapy um other types of healing like like being with communities or Mm. being with animals um so yeah I I would 100% recommend it oh I'm 100% I'm I'm watching it tonight. I'm gonna do it. Um, I'm really interested. I've heard people talk about EMDR therapy before. I've never fully understood what it was. So mm-hmm. it'd be really lovely to see it, I think, in action and see it explained because I know for some people, I know like um Jamila Jamil has mm-hmm. spoken a lot about it in her own eating disorder recovery. I believe that it was really instrumental for her in her own recovery. So I think that's 
it's really interesting to explore that there are these so many there's like the umbrella of therapy but there's just so many different ways Mm -hmm. to approach it and I think it's so cool it's just Mm -hmm. so cool that you can find the right one that fits you and I talk about in fitness and in movement that you know there's no one best way to exercise it really is the one that works for you and the one you enjoy and I think I'm sure the same goes for therapy right like you think you know I'm always encouraging people to say like, you're the expert of your body. You know yourself best. You know, it's not for me to tell you what to do. It's for you to have the knowledge to make the best choices when it comes to fitness. And I suppose that's what you're doing as a therapist, right? You're empowering people to make the best choices for their mental health. Absolutely. And as, as I said, the other thing is that with, I mean, there's, I know there's so many styles of therapy, but most therapists will have more than one style. Mm. Um, they won't just be a art therapist and will force you to do art. It's not, does it work like that? It's, it's, it's a part of their toolbox and they can use that if you feel comfortable, but they don't have to. So there's something about, uh, yeah, there's so many types of therapy, but also ask for what you need. You know, if you, if your therapist hasn't been, isn't creatively trained, you can ask, can we do something creative? Can we do that? Is that all right? Could you try Could we try that? And your therapist be like, oh, I've never done that before, but yeah, sure, let's do it. But why not? So, um, yeah, like ask what you need. Yeah, I think, um, I know you've done some amazing uh, kind of posts on this on social media. And I, and I believe you've got like guides on social media because you can have guides on Instagram now about like how to find a therapist, where to even start. And what are your key tips? What are your, you know, if there's somewhere to start, what do you recommend? Mm. Um, I think check out your post. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Check out my guide. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think the first thing to start with is yourself. Mm. So I think it's maybe journaling or listing what you want, what you want your therapy to look like. Um, That could be anything from what gender do you want my therapist to be um how do I want the conversation to be what do I want us to cover um what location do I want it to be am I happy with online therapy like just creating a basic ingredient list ingredients list of what you want and then from there um I think social media is becoming a really great place to look for particularly millennial therapists, if you Mm. want a millennial therapist. If not, then you've got um, in the UK BACP or UKCP, which are kind of the two of the main uh, organisation bodies for therapists in the UK. Um, And also just Google, you know, Google the type of therapy and the location and see who comes up. I don't recommend word of mouth um, because I think a therapist for you might not be the same therapist that you that your friend liked if that makes sense I think Mm. try and go on your own journey I was yeah doing the research to find a new therapist and I did just as that I went on google I I personally knew I really wanted to find someone who had an integrative approach who who would use multiple methods that's what I really wanted because I kind of had a single approach and I really wanted to have someone who would have a few more tools Mm -hmm. and um yeah it was and I knew I wanted to work with a woman because 
I just found that really comfortable. And there was just certain mm. things. And actually, it wasn't as hard as it seems. There's there's fantastic, uh, I think it was like the BACP website I went on. Mm. And you can like filter out stuff, your location, price, everything. And you can find something that works for you. There's, there's so many people on there to kind of figure out. So, yeah, but I will um, link your uh well we'll link your Instagram in the show notes anyway but you, I know you do have some really informative posts there as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um okay well before we uh finish today's conversation I like to ask everyone that uh what has been Pasha your mo- your most recent train happy moment oh um so um I how do I describe this? So I've, like I said, I've, we've recently moved and I randomly saw this yellow, bright yellow. I don't even normally like yellow, but this bright yellow kind of cabinet thing on Facebook Marketplace. And I decided to buy it to make to make my own kind of like happy corner. Um, and yeah, exactly. And you might even see it, I don't know, you might see it in the corner there. Um, oh, but yeah. it's got like my my vinyl player with all my vinyls. It's got some of my favourite plants. Um, and like, it's just, it's just what, it's just kind of how I end my day. You know, after I've had a, my last session, I would go to that corner, put on one of my favourite vinyls and then just lay on the couch for a bit and chill. Um, so it, every time and also every time I get a new vinyl I just get super happy it's like Christmas day (laughs) um even though it's always albums that I know very very well it's just something about having it on a huge giant vinyl and putting it on and putting the needle on it just feels really really good so yeah that's my that's my moment I love that because I think that's so important to talk about that rest aspect and that aspect of just being I think for me this past year and I know it's probably been busier than ever for you (laughs) in some Mm -hmm. ways Mm -hmm. but this past year has has been a forced slowing down in some aspects and it's actually really hard to just be it feels like it's really hard to be in like 2021 when you can get distracted with your phone you can get distracted all these things but to just lie on your sofa and just chill have a bit of music on and just be in your body is is really important even if it's for 10 minutes yeah and what's really nice is that I've got two cats and usually at least one of them will jump up and join me which is really nice so I think there's something about creating spaces of rest and break and like no stimuli Mm. um I've done a post before about the seven types of rest by um I think Dalton Smith um but yeah, there's seven types of rest that we need to have constantly. And one of them is sensory rest. And if we always have our phones with us, if we always are scro- scrolling through Instagram or TikTok, as much as they're great resources, we're taking in so much sensory all the time. And actually, we just need to sometimes have a break. Well, we always have to have a break from it so that our, our mind can rest. Oh, that sounds like another post I need to go and check out. Um, <laughs> I love that. I think rest has been my biggest learning curve um, recent, most recently. And yeah, just knowing that you can think you're not maybe like physically being active but if you're mentally still on. Like I made the mistake, like I mentioned earlier, I've got very into Real Housewives this week. I don't know mm. what it, I don't know if you've watched it before. But, oh my goodness, it's the easiest 
trashy TV to watch ever. <laughs> like it just goes on Netflix and just plays and plays and plays. And it's so easy to watch. And I was, I was watching it in the bath. And then I was like, oh, no, I need to finish the rest of this episode. So I was like, oh, I'll watch it in bed. And I'm usually very good about no screens in bed because I really like my bedroom to be like a bit of a sleep sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Um, it really trains my brain to shut down. <laughs> and uh, But I, I completely broke all my rules. I was literally sat in bed with my laptop watching some Real Housewives. And I had the worst night's sleep, could not switch yeah. off. My brain was wired. And it's so important, as you say, like having that chance for your brain to just decompress from just chucking all this information at it even if it's like you know reality tv like it's still something to think about and yeah um being able to just be is so crucial in general but also before bed <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely Tasha it has been so lovely to chat with you today I've really enjoyed your insights and conversation and I hope that you've helped kind of demystify therapy a bit for the listeners and that people do you know take the opportunity to explore it more uh, and find the kind of therapy that works for them where can people find you um, and if they potentially want to work with you um, what's the best way to uh, get in touch? So you can find me on rawtalk.therapist on Instagram. And in terms of if you want to work with me, you can check out my website, which is realtalktherapist.co.uk and go through the kind of contact box thing. Yeah. I'll link all that in the show notes so everyone can find you nice and easily. But it's just been a real pleasure. Um, I hope you continue to take care of yourself and, uh, yeah, keep carving out those self-care tips times and spaces thank you and thanks for having me and yeah I I love I'm gonna borrow your idea of the year nine (laughs) the year nine (laughs) playlist so yeah this has been a real pleasure to well if you're into like 2004 R&B then I can just send you the link yeah right on my street (laughs) yeah I'll send it to you because it's got like 20 it's like two days worth of worth of tunes amazing (laughs) maybe i should link it below as well for everyone else to listen to all right (laughs) anyway thank you so much thank you bye and that is it for this week's episode of the train happy podcast thank you so much for listening i hope you took something away from this episode and if you did please let me know by sending feedback you can find us on instagram at train happy podcast Or even better, it would be amazing if you could rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you're listening as it really, really helps to support and boost the train happy message. And remember, if you have had a recent moment where this stuff has just started clicking for you, then share your story with us via email trainhappypodcast at gmail.com to become the train happy trooper of the week. And if you have a burning question you would like me to answer, then please send those in too. And it may be answered in our bonus Q&A episodes. Once again, thank you for listening and I will speak to you soon. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.